Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick and with me this afternoon I have Bianco Motorsports future Alfa racer winner Colin Caniff and Bianco Motorsports Supremo Paul Plant. Good afternoon gentlemen. Hello. Afternoon Guy, how are you doing? I'm very well. So we're here at Snetterton um, for, for Colin to receive his prize. Um, we'll talk to Colin in a minute but just wanted to start, Paul, with just a little bit of a, uh, a sense from you as to how this idea came about and, and how it all came together. Uh, simply, I hadn't really done a lot of sim racing. Uh, saw that the owners club were doing a championship and decided that I wanted to join in and have some fun. Um, and it, it kind of surprised me actually, you know, how good some of the people were, I mean, I wasn't expecting to be good, but you know, how quick they were, their racecraft and various things. Um, and once the first season was over, they were looking at, you know, prizes, if you like, for a following season and maybe doing something a bit bigger and, and meaningful. And I contacted you and said, why don't we do something if it's, if it's big enough um, and long enough so that it's a, you know, a really worthwhile lengthy championship where the winner can get in a race car and see if they can carry it across. That's a, a fairly brave move, given that uh, yeah, there were, there were I, I think most of the people who were competing had done the odd track day, but there was nobody, there was nobody eligible um, who, who'd been in a race car before. No, absolutely. And you know, with what happened at the last race meeting where the brand new chap put the car on its roof within six laps of, of getting onto the track, it's that, you know, that moment it kind of brought it home that, oh my God, we're going to have another complete, like complete novice who's just done a few laps on an ARDS course to get his license in the car again in a couple of weeks. But, you know, the, the thing that the, the difference really was that, you know, from, from the sim stuff, if I was going to feel confident about anybody exceeding and doing well and, and having less fears, it would be Colin. You know, I've been driving against him in the sims for over a year now and it's not often that he makes a mistake or has a crash in the sim. And I was hoping that we'd have one of those same weekends where he didn't do that too. And it's, you know, here we are. and It's all been brilliant, actually. Yeah, we'll talk about the weekend in a minute. Um, so Colin, there was a bit of a connection with the Alpha Racing Championship that got you involved in the first place, wasn't there? Yeah, well, yeah, I was, uh, went to school with David um, and it was basically a Facebook post they shared um, about the championship. And I, I actually just commented saying that it was a shame that it was just for members only. I was I'd pretty much given up on sim racing for a while, like new baby and stuff like that. So the time, I wasn't really able to put the, the time in like what I wanted, like how competitive I was before. And this was just, it was just something fun that came up. So I just thought, oh, and then yourself said, do, do you want to just have a go? Make up the numbers effectively. And yeah, loved racing against the guys and just got involved in it. And I was just, yeah, and then just loved the community. Came out for me, the male owners club member. And yeah, just try to get involved in everything. And now the next, next point is now is to try and get an actual alpha the male. There was certainly never a sense that you were just making up the numbers from, from the first race, really. Um, and it was, until the last round or two, it was pretty close, wasn't it? I mean, there were three of you at the, at the front of the championship. Yeah. Um, Matt, obviously, is a, a seasoned alpha racer, so he wasn't eligible for the, for ah. the prize. 
but the um, the battle between you and, and Ted, Ted was was pretty intense. Yeah, it was really. I mean, like me and Ted have been fighting each other for a, a lot of years now um, in previous championships and things like that. So we, we do have, we did have previous. So yeah, it was it was really intense, and just I was able to push each other on and. Because I think if well, I mean if I wasn't in it, then Ted would have walked it, no bother probably. So yeah, it was good to at least give him a challenge and thankfully. But I mean it was frustrating that I didn't beat Matt because I would have liked to have won it overall yeah. to justify. But to he, justify. he is, as we all know, an alien. Yeah, he's ridiculous. <laughs> the man is just ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you, you talked about the fact that you've been racing Ted for years. Talk us through a little bit about your your virtual racing background? I started with my first PC, my dad bought my first PC and on there, my, the first game I pretty much played was Grand Prix 2, Jeff Cramming's Grand Prix 2. And ever since then I was just addicted to, to racing, even though I wasn't really, I didn't watch it much because I never, because in those days, I'm not that, I'm that old, but there was only ever one TV in the house and I never ever got to watch what I wanted, so I never ever really got to watch motorsport. So this was my only way actually getting cars around. So even back then, I didn't know much what was going on in the F1 world. Um, and then, yeah, just developed on from uh, from Grumpy 2. And then, uh, yeah, so I got on, I just sort of stopped playing. It's because I like gaming so much. I, I, whenever a new game came out, it was just sort of right. Call of Duty, that was the, the big one at the time. Well, before it got really mainstream is what it is now. So racing kind of went, to the side and then I think there's another game called uh, Trackmania Nations that we always played I must have played that for two years straight and, yeah, and then eventually some of my mates started doing this sim called Live for Speed and it was just I think it was only three guys that made it but the, the, the physics model was just really spot on um, and then just after that I got addicted to bought a, a steering wheel just kept doing it and then from there the they moved from Lift for Speed and then they started doing iRacing this thing and then I was just like, how much do I have to pay for a subscription? And then I was just like, oh no. And then I tried it and then that was it. So for what, 10 years, pretty much I've been doing iRacing. Uh, and then from having just a tiny monitor with a steering wheel on a desk with a normal office chair that every time I braked I went backwards, uh, eventually got an, a, a, another a Logitech wheel, built a, a stand for my pedals that held my seat on. I basically, I just lifted the seat up, put it in, and then it couldn't go backwards anymore. And then over time, <laughs> just built, the, just just got upgraded everything as it's went on. And now it's just big, massive rig, Cobra seat, uh, medium, uh, mid-range. It, on your podcast, on your feed, it looks like you've got all the gear, that's for sure. Ah, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> when you watch them back. The, the, the next thing, if, well, now for, well, after the week, after this weekend, it's probably not any money's going to go on racing now, but uh, not in some stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, you, so, your uh, wife won't hear this for at least two weeks. <laughs> can, can we leave it, can we leave it till after Brown's Hatch? Uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, let, me, let me try and get that sorted first. But yeah, um, that was always the, the, the next one, was to try and get something like hydraulic pedals, um, hydraulic steering and stuff, but but yeah. Um, you get all that and a real race car. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> so that, that, might, that might change everything. So the original plan with the prize was to 
to the opening round of the of the championship. Yep. Obviously, uh, COVID put pay to that. Um, but you've been through a process of, of getting your license at Knock Hill. I think the same re- week we raced there in the championship, wasn't it? The week after you uh, did yeah, the Yeah, I, 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 was, uh, I was just a, a couple of days after we, we did the race, yeah. Um, so uh, the thing with the urge test was that I was actually quite disappointed with it because they, they essentially tell you, just go around the track. Just You're not supposed to go fast. You're just supposed to know that. You know the racing line. You're not an idiot. So I just went in, I was actually felt like I was doing an exam, I, even though it is an exam, but I just didn't feel like I could, I learned anything from actually... Could actually it enjoy it, really? Exactly, the experience. Yeah. It was just, just nerve-wracking more than anything. But that side, so that side of it kind of put a bit of a bummer down on it. Um, especially because, like, the night before I was testing a Honda Civic around Knock Hill just to see <laughs> what I can do. <laughs> just to see how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just show off here. And then they turn around and say, oh, if you put a wheel off the track, then we're going to fail you. Right. So, so you just like, oh, just get it done and get it out of the way. And yeah, and if, the I, if I think back to Castle Coon, wheels off the track is, it, it's not uncommon. Nah. It? <laughs> it's fully accepted, I say. <laughs> Especially if your name is Matt Daly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt did it 10 corners in a row at <laughs> Quite impressive. Uh, um, so, come to this weekend. Um, obviously quite a, a long trip down for you, nine hours? Things, uh, there was scheduled seven and a half, nine hours it was. So um, got down on uh, Thursday night, was pretty tired. Um, Had a bit of luxury in uh, hotel, oh, yeah, hotel room. A, BD, a B&B, it wasn't quite, quite full luxury. <laughs> but, yeah. Still better than the van. I was, well, it's better than the van that I've been in all weekend, yeah. But uh, I, I thought I'll get a decent night's sleep, which I didn't get a decent night's sleep because you're obviously too excited about everything. So. So yeah. then you got um, got a practice session on, on Friday, Friday yeah, afternoon. Test, yeah. um, so I know Paul did a couple of laps to, to shake the car down. Uh-huh. Um, and how was the first stint out on the track? Scary, very, very, very scary. I just never anticipated how real it would be. Like I don't, I don't know. I had nothing to expect really. But just the first time I slammed on the brakes going into the hairpin really spooked me just how much I got thrown forward with the, G, with the G-Force. I was just a, just a road car, come on, it can't be that bad. Um, so it, it took a while to build up the confidence. Going around the corners was, was not too bad. I had the car moving quite early on, but I just the first session I just was scared to press the brake effectively and just wasn't getting the line right. And then, yeah, second session was much better. I got. A, got told just slamming the brakes just do it Paul was really good with it just talked me through everything to do so just slamming the brakes let the ABS do all the work which on the sim I've turned ABS off so it was quite yeah. alien to me <laughs> um, but and I know the purpose of Friday wasn't to, to set times but I think uh, he was within what three and a half seconds of, of the uh, previous now championship leader yeah I think it's 27 29 you said the twenty-seven, I think it was. Somewhere. Yeah, twenty-seven. So from the you know from the pace of of the weekend and what Andrew had done the, the couple of sessions before, it was you know that one session only only a few seconds off. Which you know, on a long circuit like this, sometimes seasons regulars at, at that at that point as well. You know, so it was sort of not unexpected, but also actually really impressive. Yeah. 
because you know the first session it, it was literally just three laps of Colin getting the feel of of what the car was There's, there was touring cars out there there was top range Ginetta things that are insanely fast in comparison so you had to avoid those and everything but yeah, you know we got Nick, a couple of laps Nick, Nick Hamilton going past you <laughs> in, a, in a touring car um, was, was pretty an, an eye-opener as well so. but yeah um, it was it was I thought it was to do a 27 you know straight out within sort of five or six laps as i said not not based on the sim that we've seen not 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 overly surprising but still actually mega yeah yeah there's, there's as i said there's some people that you know they could race for 10 years and and not quite get there so that was you know that was really good that was that so, was an impressive start so obviously you ended friday with a big smile on your face yeah and then saturday morning didn't go quite so well did it no it was uh, just misjudged everything I, was, I just got told right just do three laps um come in get a, the sd card for the v box so that i can compare my times but i think i got carried away i did an extra lap but every time i went to do a lap i caught up andy who was also new to the uh, the series this week um new to driving front wheel drive cars and everything like that and every time i'd come drop back to do my quality lap i'd catch him by the end of it so i'd back off again and by the time I came into the pits, got my uh, SD card in my V-Box, uh, the, the checker flag was out, so I didn't get a full representative lap in there. Uh, so it kind of bombed me down a bit, because I, I really thought I could be competitive with everybody up front. But then, only being last but one, only because someone's brakes failed, it just yeah, it set me down a wee bit. But then you know you know you you know you're going to be on the grid. You know you could do competitive lap times from the day before. Qualifying times don't really matter once you're on the grid. And then um, and then race one was <sighs> a bit of a damn spread. eventful and uneventful at the same time. Uh, yeah, it was. Well, as as I shared on the social media, Colin had the fastest lap for ninety percent of the race <laughs> because after at the end of the first lap, the safety car came out. And by the end <laughs> by the end of the race, I think we worked out that his entire career he'd averaged overtaking one and a half cars per lap absolutely yeah. which is two on lap one and one on the last <laughs> lap. <laughs> very very impressive indeed yeah <laughs> so for those of you who didn't follow the race it was a couple of weeks ago now that um we had a, a big incident on lap one two of uh, paul's cars involved um we'll, we'll post some pictures on the alongside the podcast but um fairly seriously damaged and then pretty much the whole of the race run behind the safety car um just allowed to to race for one lap um, so obviously Colin overtook the two crash cars on lap, on lap. the opening lap um, and then managed to overtake Andy on the, the on last, last lap so that must have given you a little bit of confidence knowing that you you could find a way past yeah absolutely um, going back to quality I probably should have just done it straight away and just dived down just just tried to go past in quality early on but I just wanted to, I didn't want to be disrespectful and I wanted to let him do his time as well so I thought I'll drop back for enough. That's the sim racer coming out of you that <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, but I just but then in the, when the race situation is right I'm going past you whether you like it or not so I was just yeah I just done that in quality I probably would have been happy with my quality performance but to, just to go overtake not finish last I wanted to be able to race with someone else as well they like just have a wee bit of a dash but obviously they're just been able to overtake in one lap. Yeah, it was. It gave me a lot of confidence going into the next day. And, and as I pointed out to you on 
Facebook overtook, overtaking him meant that you missed out on pole for the reverse uh, yeah, today. just I scuffed it again. Race race two was completely different though. Talk, talk us through that. Well, because it was a reverse grid, it meant I was starting on second, which waking waking up and your legs just constantly shaking because you just don't know how it's going to go. All the cars uh, behind you. And all the cars behind me, just loads of angry men and women just wanting to get you out of the way. Now, now you know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a bit different. But yeah, it's just because uh, I'd really made a bad start on race one, I, I tried to make sure that I didn't stuff it up again. Yeah, we, so, we reviewed that didn't we, we, last yeah, night. We reviewed, we reviewed it, your first lap and it was... Took the mech and... Took uh, the mech, of course, yeah. Everyone yeah. else was almost finished lap one by his exactly, time left. yeah. I decided to go for a coffee as the man put the flag up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I learned from that. And, yeah, it wasn't a bad start, but compared to, like, the 40s and stuff, they, they were just... He was all right. We were three wide going into turn one, which, in the sim, you don't really mind so much, but when... Like you actually can feel the the cars and stuff in someone it, else's real car. It felt really, yeah. it felt really, really, really close. Like we're in the sim, like you can just turn your head around because you're not restrained by a, a hands or anything like that. And just all right, you're there, you're there, and you can oh, the gap looks all right. But in that, you're you're strapped in. You can't really see very much, and it felt like we were actually touching at one point and going in, and then I was just right, and I just thought right. Four days off, let him go, I'll just have to try and get past Andy. And luckily Andy break that a little bit earlier. I, I turned in slightly because I knew Ford had to go somewhere. And then uh, after that, it was just a case of holding on. And well, I think for the first couple of laps, I was right behind him. I was actually holding on. Yeah, you did very well. And then the other Ford came through and um, disappeared. It must be and depressing in an Alfa Romeo race to be overtaken by two Fords. You're going to leave that in the podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's been, he's been thinking about that. Yeah, Whenever he mentioned about a podcast. There's Richard and James for those of you who don't follow the, the series. Uh, I, I could tell which ones was what. I kept getting mixed up. So that's why it was 41, 42. But from, from then on, we had two former, or one current and one former, Arock virtual racers pretty much glued together for the rest of the race with you and Tom uh, Billingsley. Yeah, that was brilliant. I was just that that was everything I expected. I hoped it would be. I didn't expect to be racing with someone that close for that long, and just fighting them off for the first for a couple of laps. Then I made a mistake somewhere, and he he got alongside. I think he was going into the hairpin, and then I thought, right, that's it. I'm in fourth. Was quite clear behind me, so I just need to stay on his tail, and then going through Brundle, he got it a bit loose. Um, going into Nelson, he ran a bit wide, and then I was just like, "Oh, here we go! I actually overtake somebody!" Yeah, so I just bombed down the inside, going into the bomb hole, and yeah, it stuck. And I was like, "Can you believe it?" And I was just, I was just absolutely buzzing after that. And then, but then, John's just like experienced. He gave me a little tap after that, just to, to remind me he was there. <laughs> but I think two, two or three laps in a row, he tried to, to get alongside you up to the first hairpin and didn't didn't quite have it. And I, the, the time he got through, I saw you both come out of turn one and he was he was a lot closer. Uh, I thought he was probably, probably going to have it. Yeah. What I wasn't expecting was you to try and take him around the outside at Palmer. Uh, yeah, well, I, just, I had to... 
I kind of knew that he was going to go, so I just break deep into the hairpin. Like, well, what would we do in this? Um, get a, get the cut back, and then I just thought, oh, I'm actually getting gain on him here. I, I've got a chance of going round. This might this might look good. So I just I'm going to just hang this out and see what happens. And I think I think it was actually ahead at one point, but because the next corner was a, a left hand left hand hairpin, I just I had to give that up. So. Uh, yeah, that, that was that. I, all weekend I've loved Palmer Corner. It was uh, just, it was so much fun going in, just throwing the car in. And I don't know if it's just the nature of the corner or how the car was set up, but you could floor it early and the car just rotated so nicely. It was just, uh, it was just brilliant. So that's why I just, that's why I had the confidence to go around, try and go around the outside in that corner. You mean the cheek? Not the confidence, the, the, <laughs> the same racer in his I'm first sure, race trying to get around sure the outside. I'm sure that's what John said. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I suspect knowing John, it wasn't that polite actually, but uh, <laughs> that's what he meant for sure. But yeah, it was a really, really, really good battle and then it, I felt the tyre start to go a little bit. I was maybe pushing a wee bit too hard, so John started to pull away a little bit and then the, just the last lap, I just calm myself down a bit, settled for where I was and then all of a sudden I, just, I saw like I was on three tenths up coming out of the hairpin, here, here we go. So I just kept going and then I was just catching John as it was coming on and then through Coram I was right on his tail and I really thought I'm going to just go for this. And then I, I really bottled out of it because like, it's not really the place where you put a, put a dive bomb in because if somebody sees it they've got you coming out on the on the other side anyway. So I just settled for settled behind him and done my fastest lap on the last lap. So. You didn't think of taking the Scott Austin line across the car? No, no, um, no, I don't. I didn't have the rear wheel drive to be able to manage that as effectively. It's, it's, it's worth noting that, that that actual last lap was the second fastest lap in the class. Oh, is it? Yeah. All oh, right, okay. Which is mega, absolutely mega. That's, that's crazy, yeah. It's a, a check, it was, yeah. James, uh, Richard was the quickest with a 23.4, then you with a 24.0 and James Ford with a 24-4, I think it was. Oh, wow, right, so okay. Comfortably so, ahead of the third yeah. fastest. So, yeah, real mega solid second second fastest lap. Wow. Yeah, that's... Hell of an achievement. And, uh, and, you know, and to be fair, like, the car itself is not the freshest car. You know, it does a lot of mileage. Good. It gets used by a lot of people. As soon as I saw the picture of it, I was I fell in love with it. It's just, oh, <laughs> it's just, uh, blue's my favourite colour. It's just, being a Scotsman, blue, it's just, I just, like, oh, saw my name on it, number 41. It's just, I just thought, oh, I just, that's perfect. And just, as soon as I came down, saw it in the flesh, it just, oh, it was brilliant. So we've got 60 odd people now who've, who've raced in the, the series since we started, or various series since we started. Just for the benefit of, of the competitors, what what would you say were the, the, the best, the most transferable skills from sim racing, and what was completely different? Uh, Oof. Being able to do it in the sim, knowing the lines, having an idea of where the breaking points should be on the sim. Obviously, when you're strapped to a seat and you, as soon as you put the brake on, and you get thrown forward that you're not expecting, then it kind of puts the spooks on you. But just having that experience and knowing where the lines are, getting the, how the how the how to take the corners. That, that's probably the transferable part, but it's just it is a, it's a really different feeling because if you've got force feedback in your in, on a sim, you're you're basically just waiting on the wheel telling you what to do. Whereas on that you, on the actual racetrack, you're you're 
I actually feel it before anything happens on the steering wheel and it's just really weird sensation going from one to the other so it is a little bit different but it's definitely if you if you love sim racing this is just mega i mean it's been interesting paul we've seen people go from real racing into the sim yep. and, and some of them like matt have just taken to it like a duck to water yeah. um, and other people have struggled and there's a couple of people um, decent drivers like richard thurbin have come and had a go at sim racing and just not not got it it's i think it's yeah as colin describes the the sensation so i was you know when i first started it was similar i had the screens and i you know a, just a steering wheel and a seat that john actually gave me which is very kind of him and it was reacting to what your eyes are seeing on the screen not the sensation of what the car's doing and when when you're on a car and everything's working smoothly whether it's you know a top of the range touring car or a Citroen c1 or the cars that we race when you're doing the perfect laps and you're at one with the car, the car feels like it's dancing and you're reacting to what the car's doing and what the tyres are actually feeling like. Not necessarily what your eyes are doing, you, you, you feel it in your inner senses before things happen. And I, I struggled initially, as I said in the last podcast, that I was reacting to everything too late because I wasn't having the sensation, it was just purely with what my eyes were doing. And it, you know, it took a while to get used to that and actually putting on the... Um, the VR headset, so it felt more like in the car. I immediately improved dramatically, but there's still that, just that element of being able to sort of balance the slide as you go through the car because you're not feeling the the yaw within your own body and being able to control things. So I think I think it's harder actually to go from doing the racing into a sim. But what the sim is, is brilliant training for, and, and to be honest, we, we only saw half a lap of what Colin did yesterday, and that one half of lap. You missed one apex, didn't you? We joked yesterday. We said you, oh, missed, yeah, you missed one yeah, apex just... by only by by you know, I don't know, a few inches, but it was not, you know, another opportunity to take the Mickey. <laughs> but in the half lap that the, the recording system worked for someone who had done you know six or seven laps, the racing line was absolutely impeccable. You know, usually it's one of the things we have to work on when we get new people and coach them through how to apply the brakes, not to turn in too early, to actually get their apexes, but the three or four corners that it did, it, it looked like somebody who had done an awful lot of racing. It was, you know, it, it, was, it was good and it, it looked quick, it was smooth. And that was, that was straight out of the box. And that has got to be down to the sim racing and the experience that Colin's gained over all these years. And it, I think it proved that someone who, you know, who does do a lot of sim racing and, and gets to a, a standard, like Colin's sort of standard, you know, and we've seen it elsewhere in the motorsport world that that is transferable. Once they can adapt to the fact that actually you've got more inputs and senses and you've got more feel for the car, that they, they can be quick. And the fact that, in, you know, in it's not even the second race really, it's your first race because the, the first race was a washout. First race, you've got the second fastest lap against guys who have been doing it for 10 years. And uh, astounding. A few tenths off a podium. Yeah. A class podium. Yeah, you know, it was, you know, John was going past and he was flashing the lights at Colin and <laughs> down the straight he was. You know, tapping him in the back, saying "Get out of the way," and we, you know, we thought, you know, Colin might hold him for a podium here in the first one, which would, it would have been dreamland. It would have been amazing, Absolutely. but unfortunately, just the, the, you know, the experience of John come through, and you had your good battle, and it didn't quite work out. But still, it's second fastest lap, mega consolation prize. Uh, the fact that I, was, I, I got to overtake him was just put a big smile on my face. Uh, I was just, I thought he was just going to disappear after that, but the fact that I was able to hold on and did he ever overtake you in the sim? 
Yeah. Right, some oh, oh, he did. He did. Didn't he? Oh, oh, okay. I'm sure he did. Say, you can say you've never ever taken me in the same. But he, he, he will track. always say that I always punted him out. But <laughs> that, that's why he gave me the tap. <laughs> so, as we were getting ready to record, there was a, a bit of a conversation about brands. So, is, is this potentially not your last real race? I don't want it to be, but obviously. Funding's going to be a major issue, so if there is any rich benefactor out there that wants to sponsor some random sim racer to do... Random Scotsman. Yeah, sponsor a random Scotsman, then I'm all, I'm all for it. Um, but I'll just have to see what happens. So money for me is quite tight at the moment, so I would love to, absolutely love to do it again. But and I, I presume you'd be happy to have him in a car again. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, Colin's come away, he's not put the car upside down. He's not actually damaged the car at all. Don't know if yet. Been brilliant, been great to have around in the evening, having a beer and helping with the barbecue and everything. It's been it's been a really pleasurable experience and it's you know, the outcome of what we've wanted to achieve a year ago when the idea was conceived. Almost couldn't have actually gone any more perfect, really, and you know, the, the whole thing. It's been it's been terrific. So if if Colin can do something, we might be able to do something as well and if we can meet in the middle. And you know, hopefully, get more opportunities, which would be would be brilliant. Yeah. If the others hear this before brands, they might not agree. <laughs> but you know, we'll see what we can do. Brilliant. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Been a good weekend. It's been Thank super. You. Well done, Colin. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Very much. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed our first outside broadcast podcast. Not least because we've just recorded our second one. If you'd like to find out more about Colin's road to the racetrack and see some photos of him in action, there'll be a feature in the next issue of Alfa Romeo Driver, due out in mid-August. Possibly about the same time he's taken to the track again at Festival Italia at Brands Hatch. And in the next episode, we move from Snetterton to Silverstone, where I sat down with historic racer Jeff Gordon. Those of you who were at National Alpha Day may have heard the roar of his sensational Giulietta, but this time he was racing his Group 2 Alpha Sud Sprint. Episode 38 will also be out the weekend of Festival Italia, available to download from the club website, iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts and all other good podcast sources from 1.30pm on Sunday the 15th of August. Until then, stay safe. Music.